ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 131 of the Do More With Your Money show. So for 130 episodes, I've been sat behind the scenes here, directing, producing. This week, Chief Executive Daniel Harrison, he's let me loose on the panel. So it's going to be the best episode ever. So make sure you watch every single minute of it. Stay with us. Subscribe to True Potential YouTube channel as well. I'll get that message in there now. But firstly, let me introduce my staff panel. As I told Dan, I'd do the show if I could have the very best. So I've got the main man, Jeff Casson, Chief Investment Officer, Kevin Kidney, Investment Director, and my good pal Tom Robert Shaw, Financial Advisor. And we're all excited. We're all buzzing, I'd say, for what's felt like a much better time recently in markets. Like I know for me, when I'm logging in at the minute, it's a great way to start my day. Investments are up. I'm feeling good about it. And that's what I'd like to open up to you guys firstly. Tom, what excites you about an investor at the minute? What excites you about markets? What excites you about your job? <laughs> yeah, I suppose, Tell us. I suppose at the moment, I think it's probably that I'm getting a lot less performance calls more than anything, which has been quite nice because it's allowed me to you know, really look at giving proper financial planning again. I mean, a lot of the time we are talking about the markets, but... You know, the last two months have been pretty positive, really, in terms of, you know, sentiment and what's been going it's on. Nice it's nice coming into work and just, like, right away, like, having a chat with you guys. Like, there's a, it feels like a better atmosphere. It does feel to me, like, I mean, I'm speaking as a client here as well. It feels like, to me, a corner's been turned. Now, I know that might not necessarily be fully the case. Long-term investing is a bigger picture. But it is just nice after the first half of the year where it was a bit more rocky to start seeing maybe those green shoots kind of coming out a bit. I feel good about things. You feel good about things. Jeff, are you feeling good about things? Well, it, as you say, Graham, it's good to see markets at least stabilising and starting to show that bit of a, a turnaround. And that you know does help, I think, with everybody thinking yep. about how asset markets have performed. I think the key thing there really is from a multi-asset, from a, a perspective of, of true potential, it's always giving us something to think about. It's also giving us something to, to consider from a, a client perspective. And that's what I suppose is, is the beauty of multi-asset. Yeah. We, we get that opportunity to look and at the various beauty, different... You talk about the beauty markets. of that today. Things are going to be very different because we're also going to have a lot of visual beauty on this show because we're going to be popping the green screen up in a bit. Jeff's actually going to talk through some of the performance. So keep tuned for that. Yeah. Jeff, any more to add to that? At this point. At this point, are you going to save all your magic for when you've got, <laughs> I'll that, save that for the when you've got this chart up in front of you? So, Kevin, what excites you? I think um, the first six months of the year were difficult for multi-asset portfolios. What's good to see over the last six weeks, eight weeks, is that things we would describe as diversifiers are beginning to work a little bit as diversifiers. So fixed income has you know, started to generate some positive gains to help with the, the, the lows and equities. And so that's helped contribute to what you've just described, which is we're all seeing in the, the apps when we log in that investments are up. So it's good to see that traditional portfolio management is coming back to the fore a little bit and diversifiers are adding to some of the positive gains we've seen in the last six weeks. Yeah. So in terms of speaking about what has been happening recently, we promised this episode would be different than all the others, new things coming. So we're actually gonna have a new segment, Markets in a Minute. podcast segment markets in a minute is exactly that 60 seconds wrapping up morning markets for the week kevin kidney what has been happening 60 here. seconds starting let me just get this now here we go so good response from equities this week generally up except china china's week we've discussed this in the morning markets um, podcasts more that about 
reaction to rolling COVID lockdowns also worries about the domestic property market there, seeing a deep contraction that's feeding through into equity prices. Bond markets, particularly in the UK, softer this week. We've spoken in the UK about CPI being a surprise. We saw a big surprise in headline inflation beyond what the Bank of England were expecting this week. That presents some challenges for communication going forward through the rest of the year. Good news in UK employment data, though. We're only 250,000 jobs short of where we were pre-COVID, so the jobs market continues to recover well. We're also seeing a decline in the number of people unemployed. So we're just about, on the other side, about 280,000 people needing to come into work, and the unemployment level is back to where we were before COVID. There you go. 56 seconds, Kevin. This is why he's one of our best morning markets presenters, and actually every time Kevin does come in the room, the first thing I do is message Sarah Mason, Kid is what a star, what a legend. Love working with Good him. To hear. Still the main man, Jeff. Thank you. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was very good. And for me, I did feel like it was an interesting week. I think the China lockdown stuff that was interesting. Obviously, UK inflation 10.1%, a little bit higher than we thought. So there has been a lot of talk about. And for our clients, the way to keep updated is subscribing to the True Potential YouTube channel because every day you've got the absolute best in the industry here to talk about it. Sometimes with yours truly. And maybe sometimes as well with, uh, well, you can't see him, but maybe in the future, some of our guests. Um, let's move on. This next segment I'm calling Big Screen, Big Money. And this is what the viewers have stayed for. We're bringing out the Hollywood stuff. We're bringing out the big lights, the special effects. And Jeff is going to man this segment. So let's roll. Thank you, Graham. And what we can see here is a, a table of the performance of the True Potential Portfolio Solution going all the way back to July 16. Let's bring up a picture of that just in a, in a chart. And this really brings it to life. When we look at how markets have performed over this period, you can see there the big drawdown that we saw in the midst of COVID, the subsequent recovery that markets have delivered, and then just looking to more to where we are today. Yes, we can see that downdraft that we were discussing at the start of the show, but then that strong recovery that we've seen over the recent six weeks. And there's a really a number of factors that have been driving that, and we can bring that to life with the next slide. So we can see here the performance of asset markets over the course of the year-to-date period, and really they belie a number of, of underlying factors that have been happening within multi-asset portfolios. Tom at the start was mentioning those difficult conversations that have been had with clients, really helping them to understand the context of, of delivered performance. And nowhere else is it really very evident than the US in terms of the very strong recovery that we've seen in, in asset markets over probably the past six weeks when we go back to the really the middle of June, around 16th of June when markets started to, to recover. At that point, the, the S&P was down around 24-25% over that period. So you can put that into the context, now down 8% for, for the year-to-date period. In the NASDAQ as well, in the US, probably down closer to 30%. So a very strong recovery that we've seen there in, in equity markets over that period. So leaving us with global equities now down around 10% year-to-date. I think the middle part of the, the table is really quite interesting in terms of what we've seen in, in sovereign bond markets in particular this year. And that ties back into some of those points that Kevin was making right at the start there around how sovereign bonds have now started to provide some 
of the diversification characteristics into multi-asset portfolios. Tying a few other things together, really, if we look down here at what's been happening in oil markets, yes, it's up around 19% over the course of the year-to-date -year period. It does sort of mask the quite significant volatility that we have seen in, in oil markets. We go back to, to February and think about the challenges that we saw there, the very significant spike in, in oil price up to around $125, $130, but moving back today to around $90. So quite a significant decline, but clearly that continues to feed into that hot topic that Graham mentioned at the start, that of inflation and that 10.1% reading that we had here in the UK this week. So bringing that all together, we've seen the long-term performance in terms of the chart of the, the True Potential Portfolio Solutions. We've seen how asset markets have performed over the course of year-to-date. But really, what does that look like then in terms of overall returns for clients? And you can see here we've got, since launch, the performance of the True Potential Portfolio Solution, our balance solution that was popular there, up around 45% from the launch in 1st of October 2015. But what does that mean on an annual basis? Something that's more, more considered for each of us to think about. Well, the balance portfolio there delivering 5.6% on an annualised basis since inception of this, this portfolio solution. Stronger performance obviously coming through as we move down the risk spectrum. Aggressive delivering 8.6% on an annualised basis. Right, thank you for that, Jeff. And as if by magic, I'm back on this side, you're back sat down. It's the uh, special powers of the studio. That was really interesting, and I think for me as a client, that is where my excitement comes from when I see charts like that, when I see, so my investment journey with True Potential started in 2017, and that's why for me I haven't really panicked this year in terms of when I've seen it go down. That's the important point, isn't it, yep. that we're, we're thinking about it from the long-term perspective, yep. it's about using client capital as they're investing through time, and it's about focusing on those longer-term goals. Yeah, I think I agree on that point. I think obviously the, the whole thing of you know investing little and often is, is always a thing that we always say is very simplistic, really. Um, but it's something that clients should be really focusing on. Um, you know, if you look at it, you can look at any any sort of fund performance over a short term period, and you know we always say you, you, you can be susceptible to volatility over short term periods and, and obviously longer term periods as well. But the the key thing here is with investing, you've always got to look at you know more than five years in terms of putting money in from a from a compliance perspective. That's what you've always got to be thinking about. Um, so that's long, you know, fairly long term. Um, and if you look at the performance of the the portfolios over that that term, it's you know they've done pretty well. Um, you know, a lot of the, the clients that you know that we're speaking to, they're always questioning risk. I think that's probably the, the key thing that they're, they're questioning with, with us as an advisor. Really, is should I be changing my risk? Now, from our side of things, um, you know, you can always complete a risk tolerance questionnaire to dis determine your, what your risk is. Um, but if your long-term goals and objectives haven't changed, um, and you know your risk tolerance comes out the same, then you shouldn't really be trying to let emotions dictate what your risk is. Yeah. Um, and it's just about having that, you know, again, we always, you know, say long-term perspective is really, really important. But, you know, if you let emotions dictate what you're, you know, what you're thinking in terms of risk, you can really come off quite badly as a result of that. I mean, prime example of that is if you, you know, reduce the risk down in June, you wouldn't have seen any of the, the growth that we've seen recently or as much as of, gro of the growth as what you would have seen if you still invest in the same portfolio. Again, we saw that with covid um, you know, when COVID, because it was so quick, you know, in terms of the, the, the market uh, crash that we saw, um, you know, clients moved quite quickly when we were telling them not to. Um, and as a result of that, you know, the longer term performance over the next six months. And I suppose that's the thing, isn't it? 
to, to, to earn a return, you have to take some level of risk. Yes, yeah. as long as you're taking the risk that's commensurate with your own sort of risk tolerance questionnaire outcome that's crucially important. And from us, it's it's also about risk. Yeah. It's risk of allocating capital to certain areas and thinking about the different risks that there are. It, it's something that strikes me as thinking back is what our CEO, Mark Henderson, said about it's, you know, it's time in the market. It's not trying to time the market because you'll typically yeah. be left disappointed. So it is about patience being a virtue, as uncomfortable as it can f- appear and feel at times, particularly this year. So... I think those who have been able to be patient hopefully have benefited. Yeah, I think the other thing that would interest our clients when they see that chart, what is it, the actions that you guys take in terms of that performance? What is it that's driven that performance upwards in terms of the day-to-day actions of the investment management team? What goes on behind the scenes at True Potential? Do you want to just talk a little bit about what life's like up on the team? Yeah, I think there's there's, there's a lot of aspects to that question about what's happening on a, on a day-to-day basis. And I suppose the key thing there is that the team, all of us, we're living and breathing what's happening within those portfolios between ourselves, the investment partners that we work with. The level of change that happens, there's, there's a lot of change that's happened in the portfolios over the course of the, the year to date, be that reducing some of the equity exposure, the role that alternatives have played in it, and then using the periods of volatility to potentially add to certain areas of of asset classes. And a good example of that is thinking about how some duration or fixed interest has been added to the portfolios. And that has been a a positive um, because we can think about the volatility that we've seen in in sovereign bond markets over the course of the year. It's presented opportunities and that's what we want our investment partners to be doing, looking for opportunities in asset markets as they as they present themselves yeah that's just part and parcel of, of what we want to do i mean that's a, a common thing that i've been saying to clients to be honest is it gives you opportunities when when you know you buying that lower unit prices it gives you know you you guys a, a chance to realign the portfolios should you see fit yeah. um and i think clients often underestimate that um you know that they, they, this is when fund market you know fund managers can be looking to change if needed. Um, and know, within the, the true potential solution, there's obviously that two levels of, of change that yeah. happens. There's the change that's happening with our partners and the, what they're doing to the underlying funds. And then there's the allocation changes that the team are making as well to those underlying managers. I wonder how challenging has it been the last year in terms of what's happened and how normal is that in a long-term investment? Is this just part of the course? We will have cycles like this or has it... Like, like we talk about that perma crisis where it has felt since 2015, Brexit, COVID, Ukraine. Is this unusual or is this just what we should expect in a 30, 40 year investment? Well, I think we, we, we have to be sympathetic that we are still coming out of the impact of COVID. So a yeah. lot, you know, most economies now have fully recovered. But and we talked on Morning Markets about that today. A lot of the inflation yeah. potentially is the basically the hangover from COVID. Exactly, and, and the way we choose to measure money and the, the way system. we choose to measure data, it's always versus last year. And last year was heavily impacted by rolling lockdowns in Europe and the UK and the US. So I think, you know, I would hope that what we have seen the last couple of years in terms of market volatility is not par for the course going forward. I would hope we can see a return to long run, low volatility we saw in the 20 years prior to COVID. Um, I'm quite confident that when inflation begins to roll over in the Western economies, which should really take hold early in the new year, that um, 
we can all get through this and asset, and asset markets can adjust and become a bit more focused on growth instead of inflation. Yeah. I think a point just to add to that, I think people often think that bear markets aren't normal. I mean, they aren't normal to the extent that we've had two in the last two and a half years. But, you know, since the last World War, I think there's a, there's a you know, something out there that says it's about, about every sort of five and a half years, mm-hmm. yeah. you'll, get a, you'll get a bear market, which is... You know, it, like we said before, it gives opportunities. Uh, you know, it's not nice, it's not comfortable, but I think one of the things with, you know, having everything online with us is clients can actually get used to, not used to seeing it because it's not normal at all, but they can actually see when bear markets happen and then how they recover. And that gives them an education, I think. And, and certainly gave helpful. me confidence in terms of having gone through the COVID year and seeing my investment at the end of that year looking quite good. Yeah, that gave me confidence this year through the Russia-Ukraine to... Stay in my seat. And yeah. The other thing there is, it's about how it's portrayed in the in the media. Yeah. So very much as we've been through the, through the first real six months of this year, it's been a very negative story about how asset markets have performed downwards, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But what we haven't seen is really any front page news stories about the imp- slight improvement that we've seen in, in markets over the past six weeks. So yeah. it's also about using that technology to keep abreast of what is happening, using morning markets, etc., just to to, to check in and see yeah, things have recovered a little bit as um, well. Certainly not hearing in the media about how the UK stock market has outperformed no. and yeah. performed so well this year in yeah. what has been a bear market for global equities. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not something the media really wants to cover. It's actually yeah, going really back surprising. to our table, the, yeah. you know, the FTSE, the FTSE 100 exactly. that we've got there, up around 4%. You, yeah. want yeah. you, you won't see that on the BBC. What's happening next? Are things settling down or is it probably we're still in for the long run here? I think that's a, it's a really difficult one. Geopolitics is something that's there for us all to contend with. It's not there for us to take a view really on is that a good th- outcome or a bad outcome. We yeah. have to navigate our way through that, think about how we can use diversification, the different assets that we have available to ourselves. So it's there as a risk and it will remain a risk until, as you say, there's some resolution to it. Yeah. Um, but it's Does not that, Is that the biggest thing issue, or is it the inflation? Like, what is it at the minute which there, there's, is there's holding always, markets back? There's always something for markets to contend with. I think from, from our perspective, if we think about it, it's, it's the trajectory of inflation. Where does that go? It's been driven, as Kevin says, by the reopening supply challenges, but also then exacerbated by what we've seen in, in, in Russia with natural gas, particularly for Europe. There's also the, the consideration of, of China. China, is, as Kevin was alluding to earlier, rolling lockdowns. That still has to, to change to allow that economy to really reassert itself and start to recover from a, a domestic perspective as well. So there's a few things that are there in the background that we have to be very much aware of and yeah. to think about how they can act positively in terms of contributing to a broader sense of growth um, at this point in time. And Kevin, what is it that you'll be looking for in terms of...? It's, I think for the UK, it's how the new Prime Minister, whoever mm-hmm. he or she is, tackles the energy story in the UK. Yeah. So if we take, for instance, the German government today agreed with their coalition partners that they will not pass on any more price rises to their consumers. So they allowed a one-time €500 Euro, uh, rise in energy bills and then they've capped the bills and they've pledged to cap them for 18 months. In France effectively President Macron has said to EDF, you must take the hit. So they have capped energy prices to some extent there as well. So there is the power for a Prime Minister who wants to, to make a forceful statement in the energy market and allow the UK consumer to just get through this winter. Yeah, It's just whether they want to use the breathing space they've got. Yeah. So certainly be looking to see if 
given the promises that have been made about some fiscal initiatives, if the new Prime Minister, who may well be Liz Truss, is willing to you know, gra gra grasp the nettle and, um, and help the UK household and consumer through the winter. And Tom, in terms of clients and advisors you're speaking to, what are the key concerns there? And do they match up really with the reality of it? Like, for example, myself, like Russia, Ukraine feels like the big issue. But I think when I talk to you on morning markets a lot of the time, Jeff, it, there's a lot more going on. Yeah. What, what is it your clients uh, and advisors are concerned about? Yeah, I suppose for us, we would probably see it when we're looking at drawdowns because when we're you know, providing drawdown income, is that going to be sustainable for the clients? Now, at the minute, we haven't had to adjust that many drawdown you know, for, uh, income for clients at the moment. I suppose time will tell in, in October, but you know, if, if if these energy prices going up, if that will you know mean more work for us in terms of actually having to adjust it and actually seeing it physically. But at the minute, we're not actually seeing it with with clients. That's not to say that we won't you know further down the line in a, yeah. in a few months. And potentially in for a tricky winter, but we will see how we navigate that. There's plenty of breathing space for the government to do something, though. Mm -hmm. I mean, there that you're seeing it in Europe. What can be done? So they have. They have a, a roadmap. They have um, there is clearly an agenda to help households. Yeah, it's just whether they're willing to take on difficult parts of the political spectrum. And I guess and one thing with this trust in Rishi Sunak at the minute, they're kind of playing more to like the conservative base who are voting for them yeah, rather than like thinking yeah, about yeah. they just want to get in power and then maybe exactly. when they are in power, maybe it will be a different. And that's yeah. part and parcel of the challenge that the markets have got at the moment. That. It's unknown it's what they can yeah. do, yeah. Um, but they can certainly do something. Um, yeah. It would be good to get us to the was it the fifth or sixth of September when we we find out who will be the new prime minister and how they set out their their policy agenda from there. Yeah, well, coming up in a, in a bit, we'll actually have a political segment, so let's not talk too much about Liz Truss or Rishi Sunak just yet. I'm going to see Kevin Kinney's excitement here at the thought of that. <laughs> um, but moving on to our next segment, which is our common sense segment. So in our common sense segment, I think for common sense, I envision this to kind of be the more like realistic, real story. You've had inflation on the news all week. For me, watching some of the news coverage, it's felt a little bit sensationalised. Let's bring it back to common sense. So the question I've got for you, and I'll put this to you first, Kevin, what is the true context of 10.1% inflation? So I think first and foremost, you know, the inflation impulse they are seeing in the UK is a global phenomenon. Yeah. So we've seen... Um, and I think that's a good point right away because you do watch the news and it feels like UK yeah. disaster. Yeah. No, it's absolutely. a UK thing. And I think that that's exactly what I'm on about in terms of common sense. It's it's a global thing. So I'll carry on. Yeah, so and, uh, inflation through the summer in the US was at nine. It got close to that in Germany. You know, in Canada, Spain, France have all seen similar levels of inflation. The UK is slightly... Slightly different in the way we choose to measure and uh, administer um, energy prices. However, it's important to point out that this month we saw inflation in the US fall a little bit. Same in Canada, same in some parts of Europe. So there's already signs that this acute inflation impulse globally has reached its peak and it's rolling over. The UK will lag a bit, yeah. but we're quite hopeful that soon, hopefully by maybe by Christmas or the new year, we're starting to see a, a decline in a decline. I mean, certainly my feeling has been life goes on and in terms of, I mean, it can't just stay like that forever. It can't keep going up forever. We'll adapt. It's a long-term thing perhaps, but this is how like, it works. Yeah, and Jeff? I think a large, you know, a component part of what we're seeing in inflation is very much 
things that we can't really control. It is about energy prices, it is about gas prices and those feeding into the overall inflation level. So as that, as Kevin says, starts to roll over, that can be can be very influential in terms of the inflation rate. You know, we cast our mind back just to earlier in the year, oil was around $123 a barrel. It's fallen back to that $90 a barrel, so it's fallen 25% from its peak. That has to feed through into to the inflation readings. The other thing in the UK, I suppose we've got our £400 rebate that we'll see. There's a lot of debate with the ONS as to how they're going to treat that. So it might be that we don't see the inflation peak at 13%. It might actually be below that, depending on how that's dealt with as well. So there's a number of nuances, I suppose, to what's happening in, in the UK inflation yeah. at this point in time. A situation also influenced by what we've seen in sterling so we saw in those charts earlier we looked at sterling falling around 10 percent against the dollar we think about that energy prices in dollars and tom just tell me your thoughts in terms of what you're hearing from clients uh, specifically at the moment i mean you will get the odd call and, and and you know rightfully so i mean but at the moment it, it feels like we haven't had anything through really at the minute like i said to you before you know drawdowns haven't really been altered at the minute we'll see what happens we'll continue to monitor inflation and the place to do that is subscribing to the true potential youtube channel jeff and kevin and we'll see what it's happens it's certainly something that will continue to be part and parcel of of how we think how we talk about um what's happening in asset markets with our investment partners because it, it feeds into that other aspect of interest rates yeah. and how interest rate policy will have to change and will continue yeah. to change over over the coming months. So it's a, it's a crucial issue, going back to one of your earlier questions around what are the things that you keep thinking about. Well, you wouldn't be surprised that if you went upstairs to the team, inflation is probably talked about every day, if not several times a day because of the amount of data that there is there. Yeah. And it has become one of those challenges even for this show to do more of your money show. Like inflation this year has been the yeah. key Theme. Last year it was COVID, the year before we had Brexit, inflation this year seems to have been our key theme and that's the story. So we'll continue to keep you updated. Um, the next thing we're going to talk about, I think this show works best when we get on a politics. Certainly in the early days, I think back to a 131 episodes ago when we first launched this with David Harrison and some of the great political chats we had back in the day. So for my first episode, I want to bring a bit of politics into it as well. So our next segment is political impact. So then, ladies and gentlemen, political impact and the story that's dominated the news this week, Liz Truss and Rishi Sunak, has been comments Liz Truss made on terms of UK productivity and the kind of mentality of UK workers compared to some of the foreign counterparts. I want to bring this to the table, really. Obviously, it's an economic issue. Are we less productive than other countries? I'll put it to you, Kevin, first of all, in terms of your thoughts on Liz Truss's comments and in terms of your thoughts as well in terms of the economy and productivity. Well, the way, way we choose to measure productivity, the UK has suffered since the global financial crisis in 2008. So productivity growth was uh, quite buoyant before the crisis and has uh, has cooled considerably and flatlined since. I think um, where the UK is not alone is that we have about a million vacancies in the UK, can't match vacancies to workers, same problem in the US, same problems in continental Europe. The legacy from COVID is this massive disruption on job markets. If government can somehow come together, the different wings, and make it easier for companies to recruit people, which might involve a visa system, you know, take back control, we could raise the overall aggregate level of growth in this country quite quickly by matching 
young economic migrants with those available vacancies. Yeah, and Jeff, your thoughts on this? I mean, it was a conversation we had on yeah. before morning markets this week. I think the other aspect to that is, is also thinking about policy. So immigration might be one of those policies, but it's also about how to stimulate investment, how to stimulate investment in the economy, which is really something that we, we haven't really seen in the UK. Yeah. Investment by corporates, investment in research and development really lags behind when we look at ourselves relative to the G7. So investing as a percentage of GDP is very, very low. We need to find ways to allow that, be it tax incentives, be it an encouragement of schemes that allow companies to invest in productive assets. One thing I brought it back to when we were talking about it was in terms of the culture shift as well, in terms of working from home and the way things have changed in the last few years. You had furlough as well. Like, is the potential, the risk for a cultural shift, and I think this would be a long-term thing where people just aren't exposed enough to the way we used to work? Um, so I, I think there's a challenge. So I think co what COVID did was it took a 25-year trend yeah. and basically compressed it into about 12 months. Now, there is a, it's an enormous opportunity for, I think, experienced professionals yeah. who have a work-life balance, you know, to, to be productive, but yeah. also to manage the, their affairs at home. I think there's a, there is a challenge, though, for managing young people, graduates and analysts yeah. here at True Potential, making sure they get the right mentoring, the right face-to-face -face contact, and that probably requires more time in the office and working beside people than is afforded to others who can work from home. Yeah. I think what's made me stronger in my career is exposure to being uncomfortable at times. And I do you have that long-term trend over 10 years? That I, I, could get I think it's, to a, it's going to be a fascinating topic for us to look back on yeah. 10, 20 and years I, down And you're already track. potentially seeing that change. I know some of the Silicon Valley companies have switched back and even was it some of the investment banks as well? I think everybody's trying to find out what works for them. Yeah. And the, the, the real sort of challenge is that Everybody has a different ob objective around it and we need to find a way that we can corral people to, to deliver the best that they can deliver for themselves but also for, for business. I, say, I suppose it tends to might be um, dependent on what sort of job it is as well. So yeah. you can be in a job where you actually need to collaborate a lot more, yeah. so maybe creative industries. Um, you know, you need to be in the office a little bit more, um, whereas, you know, something where you, you just maybe looking at numbers all day and you don't need to be collaborating at all. You yeah. can probably be more productive at home, I suppose. Yeah. I think it, it does come back to that point of, of how people learn, how people develop, and certainly having face-to-face -face conversation, or not even that, but listening to what's happening around you, picking up things. Um, th that's impossible when yes. you're working in front of a screen. But when you're in the office environment, it certainly is live and it is yeah. real for people to learn. I think just going back to Liz Truss and the comments she made on the UK worker mentality, and I, I think to me she does seem to be quite the a good candidate in terms of a capitalist kind of mentality of moving things forward. There's no such thing as a debate really anymore. You know, one side isn't really giving their opinion. The other side is just, you know, getting, you know, blasted by the media so they're not actually they're, they're scared to make an opinion as well. And I think that's half the problem is 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 the media to some respect is um, you know, it's so harsh, I suppose, on certain, you know, on, on both parties, I suppose. If, you know, if the Labour Party was in power, they'd be harsh on them as well. And I think it's just wrong because it, you, you actually need debate and you need to be, you know, sometimes just look back and, and say, actually, no, I don't agree with that. What I've said in the past, actually, I've now changed and this is why I've changed. You did meet Jeremy Corbyn once, didn't you? I did. Do actually. I remember that? Yeah. <laughs> Have you got the photo? We can put it on the edit. No, I'm not. <laughs> I haven't got a photo with him, I don't think. What was he doing? I can't. Was he just in he the He was pub? in the coffee shop, yeah. yeah. 
coffee shop. Seems like yeah. a coffee shop kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, I think it was a vegan coffee shop. I was just walking past it, to be honest. But what did, did you chat? Or was it just a high? It was just a high. I didn't really want to chat to him. <laughs> uh, the only one I met was Matt Hancock when we did the tour did here. The tour. But we do have Liz, Liz Truss who actually opened the building, so if she does win, we can change our sign to opened by the Prime Minister. Yeah. <laughs> right then. The next segment was going to be behind the scenes at True Potential, but I think because I've made such a potential dog's ear of this podcast, <laughs> I think my, my guest Esther has probably left the building. So behind the scenes, we'll save our great North Run chat for a, a future episode because I know Kevin Kinney wants to get out of the pub with me right now. Come on. I, I, wa- <laughs> I wonder what are we doing this weekend with what are we doing after this podcast and how stressful has it been? To start with you, Tom. Oh, well, I'm actually going climbing, which... Oh, um, yeah, it's uh, I sort of tend to go every uh, week or so with a few colleagues actually from here as well. So that's what I'm doing after this. How bad was my first show hosting? That was good. It's <laughs> entertaining <laughs> from behind the scenes. The, the edit's going to look amazing. I've got a question for the girls. How long do you think this show actually is? Over an hour. <laughs> good. I've got enough content to make a good. I've got enough good content to make a show. Yeah. You're gonna have to go to bed early tonight, I think. Get up early and do it all. Five o'clock start to fix it. I'll (laughs) I'll smash it in the morning. We've got Katie presenting morning markets with um, Kevin tomorrow, so they can do that and Sarah can do the edit, and I will. I will smash the podcast. So Kevin, me and you are going for a beer after work. Jeff, what are you doing tonight? Going to head up the road and hopefully catch my son playing rugby. Yeah. Well, I apologise for keeping you all so long. We'll see how this turns out. I found it exciting anyway, and as we go back to the original point. How your money is going in 2022, I am excited about it. I do do feel good about this year. I am enjoying logging in and seeing my performance up, so keep up the good work, Jeff and Kevin. Thank you. And thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. I might never be back on this podcast after this, so I do hope you enjoyed it. Thank you to my production and director team here, Katie and Sarah, my two absolute stars. And ladies and gentlemen, subscribe to the True Potential YouTube channel. Morning Markets is the place to keep updated with everything we've talked about, inflation. Thank you very much. Goodbye. If you're interested in taking your investing to the next level or would like to know more about the options available to you when you retire, then download our free guides to ICES and pensions. These are available in the video description below.